Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, but not if we're stressed out and exhausted. Looking at food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work, the Plan Simple Podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier and happier future. Listen in for inspirational conversations and valuable strategies to plan for your best life. Today, I get to introduce you to my friend, Robin Sandomirsky, and I am so excited for you to meet her. So Robin is somebody who I have actually been studying with over the course of this year, and she's just an amazing person. And I asked her to come on because what I have found as I've been going through the flow planning process with all the ladies who've been going through this year in Flow 365, I don't always have the words to explain the OM portion of the flow planning process. I mean, I have lots of words, but it's hard to find words that really explain the transformation that planning for that piece of work really brings. And I find that Robin is really good at this and really good at explaining when there is a limit on words. So I love that she is here today. So the OM part of the flow planning process, the other thing I've noticed about it and why I want to explain it better and better and better to you is because it is the little piece, the piece that sometimes only takes people five minutes. Some people allow themselves up to an hour a day, but in the grand scheme of things, that's not that much time, but it is the piece that seems to have the biggest impact on all the other areas of people's lives. And I've watched this unfold over the course of the year, and it's been so beautiful and amazing. So in Flow 365, we've had a lot of women who came in who already had some sort of meditation practice, and they have either gotten way more consistent, figured out how to really fit it in with the kids in a way that felt better than it was before we started. There's been other people who had a practice but have changed, found different modalities, found different ways to practice. And there's been others who had never meditated a day in their life who found simple ways to get into a practice and it really transformed different parts of their life. So it has been so interesting, amazing, inspiring to watch this unfold over the course of a year. And it's one of the parts of the flow planning process that I really want to get clear about explaining because I just feel like it's such a a, it's not a small, it is a small tweak. It's a small tweak in terms of our time that can make such a big impact on all the other areas. So let me tell you a little bit about Robin. Robin lives in a small town in New England, not too far from me with her two kiddos and a small collection of four-legged light bringers. When she's not working, her days include getting the kids off to school, quickly blending green smoothies, sneaking in time for morning pages and awareness-shifting practices, romping barefoot in the woods, reading any book she can get her hands on, feeling behind on laundry, exploring awakening, texting with kindred spirits while walking the dogs, and wondering what to make for dinner. So can you relate to any of that? I know I can, except the four-legged creatures. I don't have those yet. She began studying telepathy and traditional shamanic healing practices in 1998, and she earned her MA in counseling psychology in 2008, and she has been teaching movement, meditation, and spiritual practices and offering private and group sessions in multiple modalities for many years now. So Robin is just an amazing person. I can't wait for you to meet her. So with no further ado, let's get Robin on the show. Hey, Robin. Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. Hi. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have you. So tell us a little bit about your life, who your mother to, you know, what life looks like. Sure. So I am a single mom and I live in Medfield, Massachusetts. I have two kids, a 13-year-old son and almost 11-year-old daughter. And then I have two cats, one of whom is elderly and senile and sounds like a small child. And I also have a dog. And my home is actually sort of a two-family, so I am a landlady. And I also run my own business. I love that. And tell us about your business. Well, actually, we'll get into that, I guess. Well, no, you can tell us about your business. (laughs) 
Tell us about your business. I never know what you're going to (laughs) say. Yeah, I don't really know what I'm going to say either. Um, Primarily, I work one-on-one with people. That's really the heart and soul of um, what my work has been to date. And it's sort of um, like uh, spiritual and intuitive and practical and magical work all at the same time. Most of the people that I work with are women. I do also work with men. And interestingly, over the years, most of my clients have turned out to be also entrepreneurs, artists, um, women who are sort of like exploring kind of self-expression in all realms of the world. So I also do... um, group work and I teach classes and I'm involved in helping to facilitate some retreats. Awesome. And we're going to try to tap. Now, Robin is like, I don't know. I just feel like she's guru-esque. <laughs> so we'll, we'll try to tap into as much of her knowledge as we can today. Sure. So I personally take a class with Robin every, um, every Wednesday. So, um, and we are really working on having a practice of just being quiet and sitting still and she's given us so many tools and it's just so amazing. She's, I feel like from Robin, I learned how to be present. So, all right, let's figure out what we can tell all the people listening today. So let's talk a little bit about a practice because I feel like that dovetails really nicely in with my whole idea of planning. Um, and it's funny because I don't even know if you know this, but um, the planner that I created is called the flow planner um, because of the idea that we might want to flow through our life and also that things flow forward. So you use your intuition to figure out what you want to do and then you figure out how to flow that forward into time. But also it stands for food, lifestyle, home, and work. So I figure, I feel like you're such a good ohm person, which is this word that eludes people all the time. I am always like, aka self-care and spirituality, but it just feels like this big thing that people don't, that we don't know how to fit into our lives, especially when we're in this phase of, you know, busy mom and entrepreneurship and there feels like there's no time. So let's talk practice. (laughs) Let's. Um, I'm going to pause you for one second for the dog. Okay. Oh my goodness, loudest delivery truck ever. <laughs> Probably the hear the engine. <laughs> uh, okay, where were we? So we are going to talk about the idea of having a practice, a spiritual practice of, I don't know what the best word is. I, that, I have a weird relationship to that word and I've never found the right word, which... The word spiritual or the word yeah. practice? Yeah, spiritual. I have a weird relationship to the word spiritual too. I think it's funny that I used it earlier. I was like cringing as I said it. Um, yeah, what's a good word? I think that um, the word that I've been using recently is awareness practice. I like that. I also use the word being a lot. Um, because really when I think about awareness practice, it's like, are there ways for me to shift out of just completely self-identifying as my thoughts and what I'm thinking and drop into something that's just a different way of being? So awareness and being are more comfortable words for me. Yes, me too. Virtual's gotten sort of mucky. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and for me, it's like not even that it's mucky. It just has this, you know, tie to my childhood. (laughs) I don't know. Yes. Way of spirituality that is not my current way of spirituality. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. Okay. So let's talk about the practice of being. Sure. And there are so many ways that are available to us 
through the many different traditions that we now all have sort of the opportunity to explore that can bring us into different ways of being. And as you know, um, I, over the course of my lifetime, have sort of landed in an eclectic um, collection of practices, but that have me um, looking to be in a state of sort of what I would call awake awareness that's embodied. So all of the practices that I try to implement um, in my lifestyle and in my work tend to include sort of finding ways to invite ourselves to land fully in our body and in what I call the now. I've sort of um, dropped the language of moment because a moment sort of has a beginning and an end and the now is just the place where we always are. Mm. I like that. All right. So what are some, how do, how do we do this? Right. That is an interesting question. <laughs> That's and like we could probably talk seven hours about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> we could talk for seven years about yeah, it. This um, is true. And it's it's funny, like every time I get interviewed, I, I sort of like dance around these conceptual spaces or theoretical spaces of ways of being. And then it's like, okay, so how? And it's like, well, <laughs> um, that it were that easy, we would all be completely awake. Yes. So it is really um, internal self-exploration and kind of redefining how we are wired and how we operate um, through practices that allow us really, I think that the, the language that makes the most sense for me is to say, just learning how to unhook from thought. Mm, So something as simple as um, I actually have a free um, downloadable practice on my website that I call Souls of the Feet. And it's really, really, really simple couple minute um, invitation just to unhook from thought and to drop our awareness down into our feet. Mm. And that in and of itself, if we play that game um, on repeat over and over throughout a day, that practice alone could really be life-changing. I think at this point, we spend a lot of time um, looped into our thought, and it's so familiar that we don't even notice. It's like really genuinely who we think we are and where we come from. And um, most of the current sort of science around the brain and how thought works um, show that when we are looped into thinking, especially when we're in thinking that's not super focused, most people tend to report states of being fairly unhappy. so it's, it's an interesting thing to unhook from that patterning and drop into something else and see what we can discover there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I've been doing it. <laughs> yeah, so how's it going for you? Good. <laughs> and, I, well, one of the things that I, you know, in the practice, like one of the things I've noticed mm-hmm. is that it's, so good when you can get into this state of no, you know, of just letting go of all the thoughts. It feels so good, but, or, and I'd like to say it's hard. It's hard to do it on a regular, like it's, it is hard. And, you know, we've experienced in our little group, not you know, having weeks where we didn't show up and then we figured out this accountability thing where we checked in on a regular basis and like reported, but it's just, you know, it's just 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes. It's like not even that much time to have the possibility of feeling so good yet. 
it's just a hard, like it's, you know, and that's just probably another mind game that we've like had the thought that it's hard to sit down. Sure. Um, right. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's yeah. so amazing when you can do it and it just, it can really shift a day. And it um, does, um, like it does have a building quality to it. So if we, um, well, one distinction I want to start off making is that I have started over the last, let's say, year-ish to make a distinction between, and I just use the word ceremony, practice, and glimpse. Hmm. And ceremony to me is like um, something where the space is maybe very held, whether it's just alone by yourself or you're in some kind of a a circle or a group setting or you're working with someone who has a lot of facility and they're leading you through sort of a deeper, more profound ceremony that might create sort of a bigger shift and then you'll do some integration work. And could that be, could that be listening you know, like insight to like listening to a meditation. I think I would probably put that as practice. Okay. Cause I, in my own life, I've found a big difference in being quiet and listening. Yeah. So, so that's a great, yeah. Let's talk more about that. So, minute, but so keep let's going. just say, yeah. So ceremony, let's say maybe happens um, less frequently for some people. It might be once a year for some people, it might be once a week, but it's a little bit more of that deeper, richer, longer, more profound. You might give an hour or two to it. Practice to me is something we're aiming to have a container that we protect that's let's say we're aiming to have a practice that's daily. I think daily practice is life-changing, but I also get that having a daily practice is a commitment that's daunting for a lot of us. Practice maybe is, you know me well enough to know that I think a practice, if, it, if we got to start at three minutes to make it approachable, that's what we do. So I would say something between you know a minute and an hour a day would be a daily practice where you're exploring something that you have discovered gives you the experience of shifting your awareness. I'm, I'm all about awareness shifting practices, and we can talk a little bit more about what that means. But any practice that I sort of have fallen in love with tends to um, – leave us with a feeling that we are present and aware and connected in the now in our body. Mm. So, a, so a practice, a daily practice is like, I'm going to make it so that there aren't too many distractions and I allow myself to explore how do I get to that state of being. And when I am, of course, pulled out of it because that's not where we're used to living from. So I get distracted by a thought or I get distracted by a sensation or I get distracted by a sound. How do I then figure, notice that I got distracted and then bring myself back? So that's in my daily practice. And any practice that I'm building, I want to have it be that it's, it's getting me so that I can live from a different place, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm not interested in sort of like practices that serve as an escape from life mm -hmm. or my humanity. I want to like deepen into connection with my life and my humanity. Mm -hmm. And then a glimpse is like a cue or a, or a brief invitation that we can use, you know, five, 10, 45 times a day that that we discover that works for us individually to give us the experience of again like unhooking from thought and dropping into a different state of being so that throughout our day we're repeating that pattern of unhooking from thought and dropping into a state of being over and over and over again. And you have so many great examples that I've learned recently, but uh, the easiest example of that is a breath, right? Just like. 
Yeah, for sure. A deep breath can work really well for people. We, um, the way that I teach right now, um, we focus on sort of taking a deep breath that is filling and emptying what I call the deep belly. So it's sort of like if you can, if you can gently fill your low belly and then empty it fully and completely, um, the focus on that area of the body, dropping our awareness down there and pausing for a moment to take a breath or two there can really be that kind of a glimpse if that works for you. Mm-hmm. The truth is like all practice is like quote unquote works if it's experiential. So it's, it's for each individual person, it's like just noticing what you experience when you try something. And then if it feels like it shifts you in a way that you're curious about exploring more, that's a great practice for you. Yeah. Right. So that's, so ceremony, deeper, more profound work, practice, protected space where I repeat each day something that's bringing me into a different awareness state and then glimpse really short, you know, 10 second, five second, 40 second reminder to myself, oh, I'm feeling tense. I'm feeling stressed out. I can tell that I'm looped into racing thoughts. Like, let me just unhook from thought and drop into my body and um or or shift out of thinking i need to solve something all the time like my only existence is as a solver and drop into a state of being and if we consciously choose to do some ceremony have a practice and implement glimpses we actually do rewire the way that our system works so um again if we want to look to science when they study the way that basically like the brain um, of people who have sort of a longer term awareness shifting meditation practices, their brains are working differently. So it has helped me sometimes to be like, when it feels hard, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm practicing something. I'm learning a new skill. Like, I don't think I can go outside tomorrow and run a marathon because I don't run, right? (laughs) So right. like I would need to build up to that. So 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 any so it's like oh I'm I'm building this new wiring, I'm building this new way of being, I'm studying, I'm practicing. It is a conscious decision until I've rewired myself enough that where I be from begins to shift where it doesn't take so much effort and it becomes a little bit of sort of unconsciously where I come from. Right. And, but, and just to clarify, then there's, it's, I always like to think of it as like a spiral, but like, cause I mean, you've been doing this for years. So, years, yeah. <laughs> so it's not like, I just want to like clarify when you said you started this part of the practice a year ago, like Robin's been doing it for so many years. And so there's I've always been, like the next ring, like yeah, the spiral yeah. oh, staircase. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. I really yeah. have been exploring probably for maybe 23 years. Yeah. Isn't that scary? I think Rob and I are the exact same age. (laughs) So I'm always like laughing when I can say that I've done anything for 20 something years. I'm like, I don't feel that old. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's a thought, right? (laughs) It's just a thought. Yep. And actually the more, you know, I don't mean to like, I'm totally unattached to what anybody does. Right. Like I'm really, um, I think you, I, I really feel like that's true. And for me, like I, I totally geek out about this stuff and I love sharing it because it has transformed my relationship with myself and my relationship with my life so deeply that I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. So I would say that as I have refined and deepened and explored my own practice and where I live from, my age matters to me less and less. Yeah. I'm just like excited to be here. Um, and I'm also comfortable with the moments where I'm not excited to be here. Right. 
Yes. Let's talk about that. <laughs> sure. Because <laughs> I feel like, I feel like this was a myth that I sort of bought into for a long time. Um, because, you know, at some level I've been a seeker for that long as well. And there was a time in there when I really thought that, I don't know, it's, and this is where words fail us, I think, but just this whole mindfulness practice or meditation or whatever it was I was doing always had a positive spin to it. Yeah. I like to say um, a lot of spirituality in the Western world and spiritual practices came with a, with like a bill of sale that said, this will make you feel good all the time. Like if you do this, you'll feel good. And that's really um, sort of only half of the picture. I think the truth is that um, when we when we start to cultivate practice, what we do is we realize our capacity to feel and that it's okay. So we do feel really good. We feel more calm, more present, and more peaceful. And we also feel very sad when we're sad and we feel scared when we're scared and we feel nervous when we're nervous but what we have in in cultivating a real practice is we put down some of our judgment and tension and really attachment to how we feel yeah so it's like oh, I feel really nervous. And then instead of now I'm mad at myself for being nervous and now I'm irritated that I'm not a more evolved person, so I shouldn't feel nervous anymore. All it is is like, oh, I feel nervous now and that's okay too, right? Yeah. And so first of all, I am not always calm, but I am told a lot by the outside world that I'm calm for somebody who has whatever so much going on, which is another... (laughs) another thing that people somehow think about me. So, but it's interesting because I do attribute that to some sort of practice. Um, I don't consider myself calm really at all. Um, No, I don't either, but I get that comment from other people. Yeah, no. And I think it's sort of, um, it's the practice of not being so agitated with myself when I'm not calm. Yeah. That it's like so much of the tension that we're experiencing is our not being okay with what's going on. Yes. And so when we start to be like, um, find the, the awareness that is inherent in us, that has some innate compassion that sort of understands that it's hard to be a human in 2019 on the planet earth (laughs) and that we're doing sort of the best we can. And then that we have some capacity to hold the parts of us that are struggling or suffering. Then the whole system kind of calms down because it's not like we're failing because it's challenging. Yeah. So it's like, and there's, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like that maybe it's just like the human condition to just want everything to feel good. Especially, I feel like this happens in entrepreneurship. Yeah. That if something's and I, you know, whatever, I do this too. I'm not at all perfect. Um, but when something's hard, if this happens a lot with food. When I'm coaching people around food, like it's it's hard sometimes to like make good food choices. Yeah, it's hard to move your body on a daily basis. It's hard to sit for 20 minutes every day. Like it's not like it's like the general effect, like the overall, I feel like the overall effect of such practices might be calmness, <laughs> but like in that now it's not you, you, when you're really feeling it, it's not always that way. Yeah. I think we're so hardwired at this point, like the, the society we're in and most of the families that we're in and just sort of the way that humanity is functioning right now we are in like a a pain avoidance um yeah pattern all the time and we we sort of and and we are we are animals and we are biologically driven to survive 
And we have a very complex um, system of thoughts and feelings and emotions. And really there are ways in which our system is very concerned that we're not going to survive pain and suffering. And um, we just need to, to sort of retrain to see that we actually can survive some suffering. I know that this sounds like very, um, like it sounds a little strange, like I'm not under any real physical threat here. Um, so that I have to like, and I'm, and I'm, you know, very blessed and I live in a safe and beautiful home and I have enough food and like everything is, is really wonderful here. And I'm not trying to discount that in any way. And on some level, we have parts of us that don't believe that we're going to survive some of the things that we're afraid that we're getting wrong. And um, they're not necessarily, it's not from a logical place. So we sort of let the logic go. Mm-hmm. And then we just bring some compassion and, and that we have the, our awareness, like our, 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 our true beingness has the capacity to hold, to stay with, to be present with whatever arises, including the parts of us that are afraid and are struggling and are suffering in our own ways. And if we have um, a practice that's, that's helping us to realize that, it can really take away some of the, the tension and the, and the sort of wired in belief that we always have to be avoiding feeling bad. Yep. Okay. So would you give us a couple of examples just to make this like real for everyone of um, just through this practice? Because I feel like it's so easy to tell the story and you just so beautifully explained how beautiful your life is, but it's so easy to tell the story of I'm a single mom. It's hard. I have two kids, you know, I'm trying to be an entrepreneur. Like, so (laughs) will you tell us how this practice like has had like just a tangible story of like a moment either in like motherhood or parenting or work where this, where you've seen how the, the benefit of this practice on a situation, like you've turned around a situation. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm sure it happens every day, but. <laughs> I know, I'm like, um, every second of every day. <laughs> I think that um, what I'll say right now is, is um, I am realizing more and more so how these kinds of practices can allow me to um, stay calm and see sort of um, what parts of me are getting involved in storytelling, mm. which can then sort of lead me astray. So I, I've told this story a few times recently, but it's the one that's popping up to tell because I think it's sort of relatable. Yep. Which is that I had, um, I had this photo shoot scheduled and there was some, it was very loose because so a very close friend of mine. And we sort of shifted what we were doing a few times. I think it's the same friend who recently took all my Instagram photos, FYI, to everyone listening. Very, very tall. Shout out Jenny. Yeah, you all should should be working with her. And Jenny and I have known each other since we were 12, which is a pretty long time. So we have – I'm, you know, I'm not in a professional relationship with her. I'm in a friendship with her and she does my photos for me sometimes. And I help her with some stuff with her business. So we had this photo shoot scheduled and sort of the day before we tweaked the timing a little bit and I got up that morning and I was all like, um, agitated thinking about what was going to happen. And I was like feeling um, like, oh, she changed the time because she doesn't take me seriously and I don't matter to her. And like, I had this whole storyline running 
and I was able to sort of like slow down and come present and hold space for the parts of me that were feeling that way. And I was sort of like, what if this has nothing to do with her? Like, how could this be a reflection of parts of me that I am kind of like afraid of dealing with? Mm. Like, are there parts of me that aren't taking myself seriously? And is there a reason why? And, and again, like I'm, you know, 23 years into self-practice. So I have a built um, practice of what this sort of internal feeling around is like for me, but we'll just stick with it in the story. So I realized that there were parts of me that were afraid to take it seriously because if I did and it didn't go well, then I was failing. Mm. And I was all like, oh, I can just take care of and tend to and have compassion for the parts of me that are afraid to fail. And then that being real, like that was an authentic feeling state inside of me and it freed me up to sort of like, hmm, I wonder what I want to experience in this photo shoot today and what it's like to just kind of lean into that. And so instead of um, moving into, you know, this really beautiful photo shoot experience with a longtime friend of mine with a story that she had blown me off and me sort of being like a little bit angry and distant and self-protective. And, you know, I'm sure it still would have been fine because she's so talented, but because I sat with what was happening and moved through some of it in my practice and sort of like came out of patterned story and into present awareness and into curiosity and into holding space for what was arising for me, I shifted it. And I was able to like be open and curious about what we might do. And I am 100% convinced that I had a, an epically beautiful few hours because of that. Like we did some of the photo shoot in my house, which is what we had planned. And then I was like, Hey, I have an idea. Let's go tromp into the woods. And, um, we just like threw some stuff in a bag and took off into the woods and had this amazing like photo shoot in my favorite secret wetlands that nobody else knows about in town. So, um, is that a, is that a good story? <laughs> I love that story because I think that relates to everything, right? Like we have a 13 year old who acts out. It's like, and we feel like we did some shitty job because, oh, yeah. you know, so they're having a tantrum of, or yeah. like, or somebody's even like somebody's mean to our kid. And like, we get mad, you know, we have some story about that kid being mean to our kid or the parent, you know, like it's so easy to tell such elaborate stories. It really is. And, and it's not that those stories have no truth to them, but it is that like the place where we have the capacity to experience something different is often internal. Yeah. So like when my 13 year old son is challenging me, which he absolutely does, it's not that he's perfect all the time and he's not really challenging me. But it's like the parts of me that feel disrespected or that are angry because no man ever listens to me <laughs> are like projecting some kind of like, I need him to love me in order for me to be okay, but he's not loving me because he's being mean to me. Like if I don't get really quiet, I don't notice that stuff. I just think he's being a jerk and I'm having a huge conditioned response to it. And if I slow down and I'm willing to set aside logic and be present awareness and see what's coming up for parts of me that are having responses, mm -hmm. then I can be like, oh yeah, okay, that's a hard thing to believe, you know, or that, that does sound challenging to think that no man ever listens to you. Like, it's not about fixing, like practice isn't about fixing I don't think. I think practice is about discovering that as a human, we actually have like an innate awareness state. And that innate awareness state 
that is not self-identified as thought, that is embodied, that is present in the now, is actually kind of warm and soft and compassionate. It's just like we don't have to we don't have to try to cultivate compassion or cultivate softness. It it just kind of is our true arising nature when we start to discover how to locate our true arising nature and not just our our patterns of self-defense and protection. Mm. So that that beingness staying present to our complex patterns of self-protection and defensiveness can really start to shift things because um because presence itself is magical. If you think about the difference between when you're feeling really, really upset about something and you're alone versus when you're really, really upset about something and you share it with like a very dear friend and they're like, oh yeah, that does sound really hard. That alone, that presence, that capacity to hold space for often feels really good. And so for me, so much of practice is realizing that my awareness can be that for my, what I call operating system. Yeah. I love that. All right. I have a totally random question that's going to open up a whole other like conversation. It probably should be a whole separate episode, but I'm asking a sec anyway. But before we move on to that, do you have any other, anything else you want to say about the idea of practice? Um, do I have anything else? I, I just sort of want to say that I know that often when we're having these conversations about practice in theory, mm. that there is that question, like the how question does come up. And so if you don't already have an established practice or sense of some tools that you might use to have one, Um, it's worth looking for that. It's worth looking for a teacher. It's worth looking for um, a class that you could take. It's worth, it's worth finding someone who will help to guide you towards some practices that, that feel really like interesting and good to you whether that's, so I will throw out that there's, there's a book called Shift into Freedom that's written by a guy named Locke Kelly. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes. I love that. That is a resource that I mentioned to people a lot. It's fairly approachable. And actually he is the teacher that I learned the concept of the word glimpse practice from. Mm-hmm. And his whole book is a series of glimpse practices that shift your awareness. And it's a, it's a great resource if you're looking for something. Um, and I'm, you know, there are, so many wonderful teachers and guides and books out there. I don't want to start to list them, but I do just want to say, I do. I just wanted to note that we've sort of been in the theoretical. Um, yes. And I want people to know that, that we use theory as a way for our brain to be like, oh, that's why I'm going to try this. So theory creates the safety for us to start a practice and practice is experiential. So it's like you, right now we're talking about walking into the ocean, but to build a practice, you actually walk into the ocean. <laughs> yes. It is worth finding someone or a, or a collection of someone's who can offer you tools and practices to help you explore how you want to walk into your very own ocean. So I'm one of those people and there are a lot of other of those people who are equally talented and wonderful, but it's hard to just do it on your own, especially if it's newer to you. Yeah, I totally agree. And my, my experience personally was that as I started having this desire, I don't even remember what the first sort of glimpse I had of this understanding that I could be in the now might've been a book. Um, but eventually what I started doing and actually just to be clear, this was as I was having kids so that it was never kind of a good moment, (laughs) 
but there is never a good there's never a good moment but what i started doing was really clearing the space for more of the ritual situation so yeah. i started clearing the space to go on retreats yeah um and i just i just found like i just needed to get out mm -hmm. <laughs> of like motherhood and work and whatever and you know i we we are lucky to live not too far away from Kripalo. um you know my yoga studio would have stuff and i just really really dove into that thing. And then I feel like then as my journey went on and then like, and then I would find like a class that like would happen, you know, once a week or once every two weeks. And so then my journey has been then how do you do this more and more and more and more and more. Right. So I started like learning different things and then it was like, how do I put it in? So it's sort of the opposite of starting with the glimpse, but that was Which how is, I sort of got into all this. And I think that the way that you got into it is very common. And I think it's how a lot of us got into it. And I think the sort of the concept of that there's this glimpse practice concept seems less familiar to people which is one reason I think I'm very motivated to mention it. Yeah. Because I found for myself because I had a similar pathway to you, I think. Um, but the, the concept of building a practice where I was repeating throughout my day so that I was actually trying to change like where I live from. Yeah. That was really different for me. And it is when... Like I had people who knew me for years when I started cultivating more of a sense of like a glimpse style practice, people were like, you seem different. Mm. Um, and so I like to, to mention that because I think that another thing that's happened in the West is that we think like quote unquote meditation is something you do in a quiet room with a bell and a perfect <laughs> cushion and these amazing clothes and you have like, and, and it, and it doesn't always feel like it's attainable and it doesn't, it, it doesn't speak to that. Um, the, 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 um, if you need, if you need a silent room and a cushion for, um, for what you're doing, it's, it's maybe not as effective in your day-to-day -day life as we, as it could be. Yes. Um, I'm like trying to use my gentlest language there. Um, so, so just noting that, that there's a whole spectrum of ways that we can cultivate shift and change and practice. And it really, really, really is transformational when we start to realize we can, be all the time from a different awareness state than we usually are. And that's really, really life-changing. Yeah, that's a good and it's point. Like, I love it's that. Like while we're driving and while we're talking to our friends and while we're working, we can be in that state. We don't need to be, we're engaging with reality and we're in our practice at the same time instead of what I call spiritual escapism, which is yes. like, I have a practice that takes me away. Yes. 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 I love that. And well, and literally if you go on a retreat, you're taken away though. I still recommend everyone go away from their family for a little I bit every time. That's why I'm like, we need all of it. We need yeah. all of it. <laughs> so here's my random question for you. Cause I feel like we did such a good job about talking about this idea of a practice. And I hope mm -hmm. that it inspired everyone here to have one. But one of the things I also know about you is you have this, you're like Mary Poppins with your bag. <laughs> and I feel like you have all these little tools that are always going around with you that just help this process or um, mimic, sometimes mirror this process. So tell us a little bit about what's in your bag. And then oh, someday we'll talk to you more about it. But Sure. So what's in my bag? Or your basket, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Whatever yeah. you carry around. It's like, what's on my kitchen counter? I know. Um, so I would say that you will find me almost always in my bag. I will have 
some Lotus Way products. Um, I'm very close with Katie Hess, who's the founder of Lotus Way, and I think her products are amazing. And that's essential oils or plant. Yeah, so Lotus essence. Way, yep, they do flower elixirs. They do um, aura mists and they do serums and anointing oils. So it kind of runs the gamut of using essential oils and using flower elixirs. Um, and then I also have been with um, Young Living for a very long time. So I have a bunch of their stuff also. Which is essential oils for anyone. Which who- is a ton of essential oils. And, then- and those are tools to sort of like shift your consciousness with plants, right? Like, so is that the idea? Like you're just helping yourself. You're helping yeah. drop into yourself. Yeah. And okay. we could look at like, you know, you know, there's so much that can be talked about. I am someone um, who has great love for the planet and for mm-hmm. plants. And I understand that there's some concern with mass consumption of essential oils that we are um, using up a lot of resources. And I totally respect that opinion. I still use essential oils. Um, I try not to overdo it. And I really um, understand them as like really at a medicinal level, right? So I find that I like to approach things from like lots of different perspectives. So we could say that the plants themselves have an energetic quality to them. And so we're supporting ourselves with that energetic quality. And then often just like the smell kind of can shift um, our attention and our awareness. And then there is this sort of intentional quality to things. Like if I stop and I spray myself with an aura mist, I am getting the energy of the plant medicine that's in it. I'm getting the scent quality, which is going to shift my awareness. And I'm getting that like, I chose to do that, which is me clearly making a decision to shift something about my moment or my day. So any and all of those things combined can work really well. So yes, I, I am like a huge, um, I have a lot of those goodies and I encourage um, people to play with them when I have them. I have also almost always some kind of stone, crystal stone in my pocket, in my bra, in my wallet. In my <laughs> Your card. bra. Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like any, like you. Yep. So that's <laughs> happening. Um, and then another um product or or tool that I'm a huge fan of is Way of Chocolate, which mm. is a chocolate company that actually I know the founder of that company also, Lisa, and she is amazing. And they are super high quality chocolates um, and very friendly for those of us who have dietary restrictions. And they also have some qualities to them that um, some energetic qualities, some elixirs in them that can help to support us in different ways. And there's also built into them this concept of using the chocolate. It's a small chocolate and you unwrap it and you put it in your mouth. And if you let it melt, it takes about two minutes. And that's a great glimpse practice right there. Right. I love that. Yeah. Chocolate, a chocolate glimpse practice. Yeah, chocolate meditation. <laughs> That's good. That's where it's at. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes we just chew them because they taste good also. Yeah, very cool. So those are some of the goodies in my bag. 
Yeah, you have a good bag. She also sometimes has cards. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah, always a deck a, of like like yeah. a, I'm not not playing cards, oracle or tarot cards. Yep, I have a little bit of a card thing going on. So I almost if I'm if I'm doing if I'm working with someone or teaching a class, I will always show up with at least one deck so that we yeah. have it on hand. That. And the, the well, and the reason I'm mentioning and you the, okay, and I'm just going to keep going through your bag for you. You always have pens and a notebook. <laughs> Oh my God. I have like 560 pens because I love pens and I always have a notebook and I often confess that like Staples is my favorite store. Mm-hmm. I have a real thing for pens and paper for some reason. That must and Do you write? Is writing part of your practice? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I write um, a lot. <laughs> and then, um, you sometimes, what is the thing called that um, I've seen you use the thing that, what is, oh my God, why am I forgetting the name? The pendulum. Yep. I have a pendulum um, that I use sometimes also. This and is- you also always have something yummy, like a smoothie or a drink or a green drink or whatever. And so the only reason that I asked you this question and I'm bringing it all up is just because I, one of the things that I've learned sort of in this time like that I've seen, I guess, more clearly in this time working together is how we can get the same messages from so many places and how all these different tools like can just work together and just help us to tap into that wisdom that we, everybody has who's listening. Totally. Yeah. And so that's just always encouraging to me (laughs) that if I like can't hear it in my head, I can like turn a card over and I'm like, oh yeah, I would have thought of that same thing. Or if I journaled, like I would have written down that same thing. And if I'm eating clean, I can hear that same thing and all that stuff. I think it's all related. And I think it's all, um, like so many of these tools are supporting the same thing. And as we learn to locate and tap into sort of our awake awareness and our our sort of true nature, that is sort of where wisdom lies. And all of these tools sort of support us in that. If if our awakening is an embodied experience, then everything that we're doing that supports our body feeling good is supporting our awakening, right? Yeah. Um, and, and what's coming up for me is also just to say, like, as I'm listening to you talk about my tools and my smoothies and my green shake, I'm like, oh yeah. And this is also how I do it in 2019 as a mom and a landlady who's got two kids and is running a business and is in a relationship with someone who has kids. Like there's so much going on and I really want to be able to have a smoothie for breakfast with some organic ingredients. And so I found a company who creates those and delivers them to me and I live off of them. Um, So those are some of the tools that I use um, that right now in my life, that makes it easier for me to have 40 minutes to sit down and do my practice. And um, in this phase that feels really important to me. Yeah. There's always a way. (laughs) There's always a way. And there's always like, I am someone who made everything from scratch for years. Like I was like making my own cheese. So it took a lot for me to get comfortable being someone who had, um, individual smoothie ingredients delivered to my home. (laughs) But like what I did was I kept working my practice and being with um, compassion and understanding and doing the best I can and um, being like whatever the word is, intuitive, using my own internal compass and guidance to determine what's important for me and how I can make that work now. I love that. All right. I'm going to pause and deal with my dog one more time. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh my goodness. 
It's like the animals are conspiring against. <laughs> it's awesome. And we can wrap up. So um, tell everybody. So I, I feel like tell everybody how to find you um, because you did mention the meditation on your website. So maybe that's something everybody will go. For. Yeah, sure. So my website is Soyala, S-O-Y-A-L-A.com. And I am also on Instagram as Robin Soyala. And I'm on Facebook, you know, the usual places. <laughs> all right. I, we'll link all that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and But the meditation is on your website. There is a free downloadable um, practice on practice. my website. It's called oh. Souls of the Feet. And it actually comes with two audio downloads. One is sort of describing how you would use the practice and when to do it. And then the other one is guiding you through it. And they're both very short because it's so important that we make things approachable and doable, you know? Awesome. We do know. I know. Yes. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. Is there, there's, I feel like we're complete. I feel like we've shared like a whole book with everybody, but is there anything more you want to say? And then we can end. Oh no, I trust your, your uh, yeah, I feel we're, I feel we're so good. So awesome. thank you. Thank you. It was great to talk to you. All right. At the end of every episode, I always choose three doable changes so you can take what you've heard and put it into action because I do believe that even little action can make big change. So what I want you to do is pick one of the three changes that I'm about to share and really commit to it, really put it into action in your week, plan for it, set alarms, wear a bracelet that reminds you to do it, whatever it is that makes you do this thing, really draw a line in the sand so that you can commit to it. Now, I always share three, not because I want you to feel like you're missing out on anything, but because I really want you to pick the one that resonates most with what you need this week. So, Again, just choose one, really commit to it. And by the end of a year, if you're really focusing on one thing at a time, I think you'll find that you have lots of little doable changes that have added up to a really big new feeling of completeness and wellness that you might be looking for. Okay. So here is doable change number one from this episode. And actually doable change number one and number two are somewhat related. So it's kind of interesting. So number one is unhook from thought. One of the practices that Robin suggests is unhooking from thought and dropping your awareness into your feet. And she talked us through that a bit on the podcast. So you can go back and replay that part, or you can go to the show notes and you can actually get the free download from her site. The link is in the show notes and try this practice with her guiding you through it. And it just takes a few minutes to really drop into your feet, drop into the earth, and you can try it. You can have a longer practice in the morning and then drop into it throughout the day. You can do lots of mini practices, which she calls glimpses, but just practice this idea of grounding through your feet and see how it feels. Doable change number two, practice deep belly breath. To do this, you would pause and gently fill your low belly and then empty it fully and completely. You focus on that area of the body and really dropping your awareness down into your lower belly. Take a few deep belly breaths, allowing yourself to focus on the breath and the sensations in your body versus the thoughts in your head, right? And just repeat this throughout the day. So you could even set an alarm on your phone and it would remind you to take three really deep belly breaths if that's what you have time for. Or you could do a whole seated practice for 10 or 20 minutes and keep practicing the deep belly breath. There's no limit to how long you can do this. So number one was about unhooking from thought by using a journey through our feet. Um, And the second one is about deep belly breath. So both are ways really to unhook from the thoughts that are keeping us feeling busy and overwhelmed. Okay. And number three uses a slightly different modality to, as well, unhook you from thought because this is Robin's thing. So this might be using your senses to unhook you from thought. So taking 
a minute, as we know, to unhook from thought is really an amazing way to shift something in your day or shift, shift something that's not happening so great in your day and really allow it to take a different life. So you could use smell or another sense to achieve that. That would be a tool. So you could spray yourself with an aura mist, an essential oil mist. You could choose an essential oil and diffuse it so that you're smelling it as you're working or as you're doing your practice. And it really helps you just to shift your perspective. Um, Robin also shared her favorite chocolate, which is actually designed to melt in your mouth so that it's like the perfect amount of time, almost like a meditation, the amount it takes to uh, melt in your mouth. And all those links are in the show notes. Um, And all that these things are doing is really reminding you via your senses to shift in that moment of the day and see what comes of it. Just see how that little shift can change your thoughts or just your sense of being. And so that's what those tools are for. So choose one of those three things. Have fun playing with them. I have played with all three of these things and they are all so helpful in just creating days that are less overwhelming and feel great and really enable you. I feel feel like feel great is wrong because it's really enable you to feel and to really experience what it is like to feel without judgment. So that's what I got for you today. I will see you guys on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Podcast. If you loved what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give is to share the podcast with a friend. And if you really loved what you heard, if you want to go onto iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review, that really helps us get the best guests we can and improve the podcast so that we're serving up exactly what you want to hear. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now.